today on DOOMED! What happens when Facebook changes the rules so that you can't lie on their platform unless you're a politician? Well, the answer is quite simple. You become a politician. On today's episode of Doomed with Matt Binder, we will be talking with Adriel Hampton, who literally did just that. He became a politician so he could push Facebook, I guess, to the brink of insanity. We'll find out what Facebook thinks of what he's doing in a second. But first, ladies and gentlemen, you can support this show by going to patreon.com slash mattbinder or subscribing to the YouTube channel at youtube.com slash mattbinder. Or, if you're interested in just the audio podcast version of the show, doomedpod.com. Without any further ado, ladies and gentlemen, my guest today. Let me get this. I, I, love, I love the long titles, Adriel, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go for it. Here we go. Hold on, let me pull this up on the screen here for the live stream viewers so they could see our, our beautiful faces. Uh, he is... The founder of the Really Online Lefty League. Folks, I implore you to check out the acronym for that. He is a Facebook antagonist, leftist activist, and, as I mentioned, a candidate for California governor. Adriel Hampton, thank you so much for joining me on this show today. Tonight. Uh, oh, wait one second. I turned up the wrong sound. Now you're up. <laughs> Great to be with you, Matt. Thanks for the introduction. Uh, well, no problem. Uh, thank you, Adriel, for sticking around. There was a few technical difficulties on my end today because of various technical glitches. But we are all good to go now. As far as I know, I'm waiting for the chat to just start popping up where something's wrong, we can't hear you, the video is not on. But so far, so good, I think. And it's still early in California, you know, so. Right, right. What time is it there right now? It's 7- 6.50. There yeah. we go, right, right. Well, anyway, we're, I think we're good. So, Adriel, I, I sort of wish I didn't actually... I mean, it's sort of impossible to not introduce you as a candidate for, the, for, for California governor because obviously it is such an important part of the story. But I also sort of wish... I, I'm someone who really likes the buildup for the big reveal. And I feel like we, were gonna, we could have we went that way if we wanted to with this story. We could have been. That's what we did to Facebook. I mean, they had they got the big reveal. <laughs> so let's let's start at the beginning. Now that now that everyone knows where this is going, and let me tell you though, there is some there is Facebook's reaction and what they do and say to Adriel is actually the big reveal, I think. But let's let's get let's they, start. They played themselves, as as DJ Khalid would say. <laughs> let's start at the beginning though. So Facebook decides last year around September to change the rules. Do you want to give us the lowdown on what Facebook did? Yeah. So I, I think it was almost like more that it became public that they were, they were rolling out this fact-checking program and continuing to expand this, this fact-checking program across the platform with a bunch of semi-independent uh, fact-checking organizations uh, both in the U.S. and and around the world, and uh, last fall it became a big story. Uh, both with, well, first with Joe Biden with an ad that the uh, Trump campaign was running uh, about his son 
And uh, the Biden campaign was saying this ad is false. It should be taken down. And, and Facebook said, well, we actually don't take down politicians' ads for falsehoods. In fact, they're exempt from fact-checking. And I, I did learn that uh, that was their de facto policy all along. But when it became public, there was a big outcry. Um, you might remember that Elizabeth Warren did a, an ad where she was kind of saying, uh, I don't remember what she said, uh, that Mark Zuckerberg had endorsed Donald Trump, maybe, something like that. And But the ad at the b bottom of it, if you actually expanded the text, kind of said, oh, but it's a lie because Facebook allows lies. Um, so everyone was thinking about this issue, like, wait a minute, politicians can say whatever they want on Facebook without any repercussions? Right, right. And, you know, I covered this as, you know, a reporter at Mashable. And I'm still, like, as I was getting ready for today's show, I was like, wait a minute. I wrote about this, and I can't remember what all the little exceptions are. Because Facebook has, a, I feel like, a dozen different exceptions for the, you know... We, we, uh, I mean, Facebook put the Daily Caller and Tucker Carlson in charge of fact-checking in the U.S. You know, they're one of the approved groups. So they've got some serious problems uh, honestly, my concern was like, I, th I think at the time the Washington Post was just coming out, this is like the story kind of really happened for me in late October. Um, and, and I knew that Trump lies like he breathes, right? He just makes up stuff. He doesn't really care. He just kind of ad libs. And we're really dealing with that now with, with the pandemic. But back then, well-documented, lying all the time, and the problem is when you target Facebook ads, if you lie in them, you can get people to like give you personal information at like a much higher rate than if your ads have to be a little bit more by the book, right? If you can make up things that get people excited and, and, and really get their blood pumping, especially right-wing reactionaries who form Trump's base. And, uh, and older people who maybe don't uh, aren't as uh, discriminating about their news. They they're not used to the internet news that all you know. If you grew up with the internet, you kind of learned hopefully some of the filtering mechanisms to to know if things are truthful. So, Alexander Ocasio Cortez uh, got Mark Zuckerberg during a hearing on Libra um, up in in Capitol Hill. And she started grilling him and she had asked online. And so I was kind of prepped for what was going to happen because she had asked people to, to direct message her on Twitter with questions that, that she should ask Zuckerberg. And so it became a huge line of questioning to say, uh, could we lie on Facebook with our campaigns? And, you know, for example, she said, could I say that uh, conservatives in swing districts uh, support my Green New Deal uh, proposal? Right. You know, and the idea to, to me, the idea that you would allow the politicians lie seems like it's so backwards. Like, you know, if you were to have a platform and you were like, you know, we're going to allow anything goes. But I think that our elected officials should be held to a higher standard. I think that would be the first thought process. It wouldn't be the reverse where it's all the common folk who may be fed this stuff and not realize it's false. They can't post that stuff. The guys who know they're lying, they can do it. It's it's pretty bizarre, and I think you know my perspective on it as a, a leftist and as someone who you know my background is in media. I was a journalist for several years uh, in San Francisco, primarily, and it, it just it did seem very bizarre, and it seemed like it was Facebook catering to Trump and the GOP because they are the ones who are going to exploit this policy. 
So AOC like sticks it to Zuckerberg and I watched the hearing and then uh, I, I didn't watch it live. I watched it like later that night and I was like, holy shit, we could just make that ad. And I just happened to have a pack sitting around uh, with a great acronym and the ability to spend money on political things and you know be political on Facebook. Um, and I, I contacted uh, a friend who I work with uh, who does uh, media, and he said, um, I, first I was like, can we make a meme that like tells this story and we'll just put it up on Facebook and see if it runs? And he said, no, it's gotta be a video. you know. And so we talked about it and we came up with this idea to put Lindsey Graham, because we wanted a famous Republican, uh, in a video endorsing the Green New Deal. And what he came up with was just brilliant, because he found some video where Graham basically gives all these lines that feed right into it. And then we didn't have to fake any audio or anything. It was just their own words, but slightly out of context. We did create a, uh, a, a, a picture that showed Ocasio-Cortez like arm in arm with Lindsey Graham. Uh, and the ad, uh, we, we got Facebook to approve that ad through the really online lefty league pack. I love the idea that there is a actual pack with the acronym T-R-O-L-L. I got to give you props for that. Just straight up. It's <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> I, what my, one of my buddies in San Francisco, uh, I had started a pack a few years back and, uh, maybe in 2017 and, uh, ended up having a conflict with the other people I was working with on it about what it was going to be about, what it was going to do. And I said, you know what, I don't want conflict. You can keep the pack. Like we'd done maybe a little bit of work setting it up, just wrote it off, you know, took our names off. And so sitting down with this friend at Zeitgeist, the, the popular uh, pub in, the, in kind of the mission area and he said, in, in Soma, and he says, um, I, I said, I need a pack that like expresses that this is about crazy projects that people, they'll read the name and they'll go, what? It'll like be taken aback and he goes, what if you called the pack troll? And I was like, the really online lefty league. And it was just too good, you know, it was too good. And, um, and but for a year, we didn't do very much. We were doing like, um, I think we spent uh, maybe a couple of thousand dollars on ads that were designed to uh, get memes into the hands of people fighting the Republican uh congressional representatives in California. So our idea was that you would send, you know, $200 to send a meme into the district and all the activists in the district will end up picking it up and recirculating it and reusing it to go after that politician. And we wanted to do more and more of that. And then it's, it's hard to raise money when that's not your full-time job. This is like a money losing pack basically. Right. And, uh, but with this Ocasio-Cortez thing, it really went viral. It went like the most press I've ever seen for any project they've been involved with directly. Now, so this ad goes up, this fake ad that, well, it's a real ad that falsely says that Lindsey Graham is supportive of the Green New Deal. And it goes up under your pack, the Really Online Lefty League. What does Facebook do? Well, after it's run for about a day and it's getting all kinds of press coverage, actually, it might have even run longer than that. Um, but and this is they, right after uh, this is right after that hearing where Ocasio Cortez gets all this, you know, rightfully so, gets all this press on her with her great line of questioning to Zuckerberg. Right. So it, the press was primed for this, and in fact, one of the things I was afraid of was that we weren't going to do it fast enough, and someone else would release the ad. You know, really. 
And that's what some reporters told me. They were like, if I worked at BuzzFeed, I might have just made the ad myself to make the story, you know, like and reported on it. The problem with but, BuzzFeed is they're, they're a media organization. They didn't have a political apparatus set up. And I think <laughs> by, th by you thinking someone else in politics was going to do that, I think you're giving the minds. Like too much credit. Yeah, the minds in, in politics a little bit too much credit. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so our our efforts are very like I'm more kind of Silicon Valley entrepreneurial, but I'm also a leftist, which is not a super common combination. Uh, and I luckily had the infrastructure and the apparatus. And you know, people were interviewing me about it and saying, "Well, but you're a marketer," and it's like, "Yeah, sure," you know. But the bigger point is, should Facebook be allowing people to lie on their platform uh, if they're paying money to spread those lies? That's like the that is the it's not just that you're allowed to lie for a politician, it's that you can advertise your lies, right? Which right. is extreme. It's not just lie to your base or your fan page or your organic audience. It's lie and target those lies with Facebook's most powerful ever algorithms, right? Uh, for audience creation and targeting. So they, uh, they let's, let's, just, the let's, let's just, before we get there, I just, I just want to point out just like, because you, you got to it right there, just how even more crazy it is. Like just a couple minutes ago, I said, you know, if you were uh, a normal person <laughs> and running a, a, a company like Facebook and you had this platform, you'd be like, politicians are the group that can't lie. But on top of that, you're saying that when it comes to the money you take, you can't turn it down. So it's not just that you're allowing them to lie on your platform. You're saying you can't put a line in the sand again on your own platform and say, fine, they could lie, and if it spreads organically, it's out of our hands. But, uh, you know, you could say, we won't take their money, though, so it definitely spreads through paid engagement. No, they're saying they can't even, that they're not going to do that specifically. Like, that's just... It, it's very crazy, and, and all of the reporting uh, since this uh, outcry in the fall has focused on, it looks like it was Peter Thiel and Mark Zuckerberg making this decision uh, and it very much enables Trump because they have hundreds of millions of dollars. Maybe they might spend a billion dollars between Trump and the Republican Party or more and, and their aligned PACs. But the ones that have this exemption are the parties and the politicians. And so it's really Trump and the GOP, hundreds of millions of dollars to amplify anything that they want. Um, you know, which, again, is it is very different than someone who has an organic audience or has even, you know, it, it's huge in scale. So they, uh, one of the fact checkers called Lead Stories, fact checked my ad, said it was false, that it was blatantly false. Um, I then reposted the ad and tried to run it. Oh, I reposted the ad on my Facebook page organically on the Really Online Lefty League page. Um, they fact checked it again, even though the second time it said, this is the fake ad that's gone viral and it's in the news. I thought that was super unfair, but the Fact checks are like dings on your page. If your page gets fact checked too often, they'll suppress uh, your, your organic reach um, and you can, I think, get your page shut down. Uh, also, they, uh, at that point, limit, they limit the distribution of the ad, they cloak it, so you have to like open it up to reveal. They tell everyone it's right. fake. Um, so they did all of that. And the reporters I was talking to, uh, they said, well, Adriel, Facebook tells us that your ad was through a pack, not a politician, and so you can't uh, you can't run it. And this is where it gets really crazy. You talk about these weird nuances. So I was a, a volunteer senior advisor to Mike Gravel's campaign, and my firm helped with some of his Facebook advertising. And so I reached Mike Gravel 
you know, it's like 88 year old uh, former senator. And I said, Mike, let me just real quickly give you the background. And then I said, Mike, can we run our ad on your page? And because you're a politician. And he said, he said, sure. So we started running it on his page. And within like hours, they had shut it down on his page. And this time, again, Facebook was not talking to me, but the fact checkers were. And they said, well, Adriel, your Mike Gravel is like a retired politician, so we're not sure he's a, a, a real politician, which is now you're going to let Paul, you know, fact checkers decide who is and isn't a politician when someone was a senator and was just running for president, right? And they said also— Sounded like, a, sounded like a good reason for Mike to uh, unsuspend his campaign. <laughs> right, right. I know. I do it, unsuspend is like the word of the week. Um, <laughs> so— so uh, at this point, and then of course, Mike is like, what do you mean I'm not a real politician? You know, he's gonna go apoplectic. And uh, he's like, I have a book coming out. I better be a real politician, you know? And uh, so then uh, they also told me that if an ad, and this is in Facebook's policies, if an ad um, has already been fact-checked or a post has already been fact-checked, anywhere else you run it or post it is also going to get fact-checked. So anyone else who runs your content gets a ding on their page as well. So it's very, it's like very harsh penalties. But they're um, trying so, to, fa- Facebook is trying to facilitate original lies. They don't want you to regurgitate. <laughs> they, they don't original want lies. you. To, they don't want you to regurgitate the old stuff we've all seen before. You got to come up with something creative and new every time. <laughs> oh my god. Um, well, and it's it's. I'm not sweating because of my fight with Facebook. That's very chill. It's very it's very hot here in Southern California right now. But um, I uh, I. Um, so then, yeah, luckily, uh, I'm operating with a Silicon Valley, you know, startup mindset. I'm not, you know, running a big, big, super big crew of, of advertising people that are making ads for $40,000 a piece. Uh, like our, our every action we've done costs less than $2,000 so far. And the ads, you know, you can have a great video for like $400 if you know the right people to work with. And um, we then I was like okay, so we need a new ad and we need a politician. And so I started like talking to people and saying, hey, I even, I called up my friend Shahid Buttar, who's running against Nancy Pelosi. And I had worked on his campaign last year for several months. And I said, Shahid, will you run one of these fake ads? Like, we'll get you into the news cycle, you know, like just help me out. And he was into it. But again, anytime you're working with a politician or an organization, there's like, you know, approvals and, thought process. And, and I was just like, fuck it. I have a pack and I'm a human being. I'm just going to run for office. And I called a friend on like the Monday morning. And what's really crazy is my wife was out of town. And if she'd been in town, I probably wouldn't be running for governor. And she, she's like, <laughs> uh, I'm like, such, you know, uh, but, but I, I called a friend and I said, like, are there any drawbacks to me? Like just running for office? And I was like, yeah, I don't think so. And I looked up the, the, the statutes in California and it turns out that you can file to run for office and all you have to do is fill out an affidavit and mail it. And literally, as soon as it's postmarked, you are officially a politician according to California law. And as long as you spend less than $2,000 a year. So that's like four ads plus some software expenses, right? And, you know, like, because you don't have to run the ads for $500 or 50000 like a super PAC. Literally, I some of these ads were targeted only at journalists, and they would get like 200 views, right? Um, some of them reached more people, but 
and so I filled out the form, went down to the post office, handed it to him, uh, held up the postmark, had the postmaster take my picture, looking like a total geek, you know, like like not ready for prime time at all. And then, of course, the next day, it's on the front of the New York Times. Not the front, but uh, that's the picture on their story. I'm going to I'm going to run with it was on the front of the New York Times. I'm going to go with it. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, uh, we have we have <laughs> Andrew Hampton. <laughs> Front page New York Times story. No, but I think I think it's it's crazy that you know. Uh, a, uh, I don't think it's crazy that you're running for office. I think it's crazy that Facebook forced you to run for office. <laughs> okay, and so so then it gets even more <laughs> insane because um, Facebook forces me to run for office, and then by that evening they're telling reporters, yeah, but Adriel Hampton is still going to get fact checked. The only politician in the world who is eligible for fact checking via Facebook, according to Facebook. However, the fact checkers still tell me you're a politician now in our eyes. You're not a, a retired politician. You're an active politician. And uh, I have not been fact checked since. Uh, and we've run fake ads since. I, so. I, I did not know this. And I've covered some of your stories. Is this is this something that's been reported already about the fact checkers yeah. telling you something different than oh no that's never been reported the, Cause... the fact checker yeah because I sit down they had a fact checking convention with all their fact checkers from around the world and I could put you in touch with someone if you want to talk to them because Facebook says its fact checkers are independent but then they're telling the press our fact checkers should fact check this guy because we don't like him because he said he was going to lie on our platform uh, and the problem is Trump has said. 16,000 lies. He's lies on your platform, fuckers. Right. You know, I really like this right. was, but it played really well into the storyline because as soon as they said that, everyone was like, well, Facebook, you don't know what you're talking about because you change your story every few days uh, to adapt to what people are doing because your platform is full of holes in terms of its, uh, in terms of its uh, rules. Like you would expect that politicians would be held to a standard at least to the standard of everyone else, and that people wouldn't be able to get paid reach on known falsehoods. Um, and actually, one of the uh, ministers in the UK uh, wrote a letter to Nick Clegg, who's a VP at Facebook now, and Nick Clegg used to be a politician in, in the UK, and he says, uh, and I, I'm forgetting which one it was exactly, but this letter is like a two-page letter, and like on the, on the, it was point by point, like how Facebook is like doing horrible things, and it said, and can you explain why this guy, Adriel Hampton, can't run fake ads when everyone else can. Like how, you know, because Facebook can't, how can Facebook determine who is a politician and who isn't? That becomes a real problem. Right. Like these platforms are more powerful than our government. I'm actually very focused on this right now because this is not something that you had shared with me and I'm telling you, buddy, you should have shared it with me. <laughs> uh, this, is, this is stunning to me because I, this is the first time hearing where Facebook's fact checkers that they... They, they, they pay these fact checkers to – these are organizations that are not part of Facebook. These are independent fact-checking organizations. You mentioned before how the Daily Wire is one of them. Um, uh, Daily, Daily Caller. Caller. I'm sorry. Daily Caller, right. Ben Shapiro, yeah. Tucker Carlson. What's the difference, right? I know. I know. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> Just slightly different scams. <laughs> uh, you know, so here you have these fact checkers that Facebook has hired. And it's not so much that they are differing on – on what is fact and fiction. Like, they're not like, you know, uh, Facebook, we believe that this is a legitimate fact check. No, they're literally telling Facebook without, like, they're telling you that they disagree with Facebook's stance on one of their policies because under their policy, you are a politician. And they are saying, 
that you were not a. I, I remember when you sent me that part of the uh, the uh, the news where Facebook came out and literally told you that we don't view you as a real politician because you're just running because you want to do this on our platform. Now, that's not one of the addendums in their policy. There's no policy that says we allow politicians to say whatever they want unless they're purposefully doing it to run Facebook ads to mess with us. No, that's not the policy. So here you have Facebook saying one thing about their policy and the fact checkers are just saying we're not going to listen to that. That's 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 quite stunning to me, actually. And and it, it remains, you know, like I'm sure Daily Caller would like to get a fact check in on me, but they uh, uh, have not. And uh, I've done two ads through the governor campaign, and then we have done a bunch of ads to to basically. The other crazy thing about Facebook is with this policy and with other policies like their new oversight board for for like global truthiness on Facebook, they um, very few cases make it to these folks. Like some of the fact checkers might only fact check, you know, 30 to 50 things a month, some of them more. But it's mostly things that go viral or in this case, it was a lot of it was uh, people are really interested in this case. So like the fact checker who, who did my first ad um, tweeted uh, into a thread with a journalist saying, I'm the one who fact checked him because it was like he told me that he wanted to get this fact check because it was the story wasn't huge on Facebook because I wasn't advertising it huge. It was huge on Twitter and it was huge in the mainstream press. And he was like, I want to get that fact check to see what happens next, you know? And then the next thing I was running for office and, uh, you know, and since then uh, the ads, they haven't, um, they haven't gone viral enough, I think, to hit people's radar, but they've, most of them have been covered by the media. So what was the first ad you ran as a candidate for governor in California? Yeah, it was called Evangelicals for Pence. <laughs> and it was, uh, it was- That sounds pretty ad. factual to me so far. Right. Well, because it's not a real group, but it sounds like a real group. And then it was uh, it made it look like Trump was really replacing Pence with Sean Hannity for VP for 2020. And it was from the perspective of evangelicals who were upset and they were hoping that Trump would have a change of heart and included like headlines from different publications, some of which were true, some of which were totally made up. So it was kind of like it was like plausible enough, but not quite crazy enough, but had clear falsehoods in it as well. Right, right. So what, what are some of the other ads that you've run since, since those, uh, the evangelicals for Pence? And <laughs> so, yeah, so um, the second ad I ran from the gubernatorial campaign was uh, called Thank Mitch for Impeachment. This one got picked up by uh, Rachel Maddow, did a whole segment oh, I on saw it. that, yeah. And, uh, Thank Mitch for impeachment was a 90 second spot that basically said, call Mitch McConnell and it has his number on it. The whole ad was styled and scripted to look like Trump ads. He has a very distinct style. Right. Um, and so it was like mocking that mocking their style basically. And then it used um, testimony from Mitch McConnell that was talking about uh, Bill Clinton, but was very applicable to Donald Trump. And it made it look like, he was actually ready to impeach and he was going to work with uh, with the uh, Democrats in the House to find a resolution. And uh, 
that one, you know, that, that pretty, pretty blatantly false as well. But again, we didn't need to fake any of the audio. There's no deep fakes, very simple to produce. And Facebook accepted both of those as uh, paid ads. Now, I wonder if at this point, Facebook just maybe, they, you know, maybe they didn't get it directly from the fact checkers, but maybe they're seeing now like, you're, I'm not saying there's someone at Facebook stalking you, but I'm saying their, their systems are noticing that, hey, no one's fact checking this guy anymore. So, you know, the automated system is just, you're just off their radar or something. It's, it may be that, I mean, I kind of, you, you get, you wonder if they're, if they're stalking you because it's very easy when you're right. using software for people to know what you're doing. Right. Um, but then you think like they really embarrassed themselves by tangling with me and saying that, that I couldn't run for governor because then it just bolstered my point. Because the reason I filed to run for governor and not for some random office is that I just said that my first platform plank is going to be taking down these Silicon Valley giants who are abusing our de democratic institutions. Um, and I've since like, we can talk more about the actual governor campaign because I continue to like run like I'm a real candidate, but the race is three years away. So it's not like I have to. Yeah, I knew, so I, I knew it was, I knew it wasn't like a, a race this year or even next year, but just hearing you say three years away, it just makes it all so much more funny. Imagine how much trouble I'm going to cause in between now and then. Right. That's the, that's the nice thing. So we did a bunch of other ads too. We did, um, you remember when Sasha Baron Cohen went off on Facebook, huge rant at the uh, ADL uh, annual conference? Yes. He is no fan of Zuckerberg. He is no fan of Zuckerberg. So we cut his speech and we interspersed a bunch of our work with it and introduced a Silicon Six uh, ad through the lefty league, we then targeted to the most wealthy zip codes in Silicon Valley. And like, I think 10,000 people or something saw it. So we were basically targeting Silicon Valley people with the Facebook is evil message. And then uh, we also interspersed that, we put up uh, digital billboards in four states that had uh, imagery of Trump Zuckerberg 2020. And they look like real campaign ads, but they say paid for by the really online lefty league. And uh, we tried to target as much as we could, either high visibility or places where Zuckerberg had data centers, like uh, near his data centers in Utah. And uh, that that ad was a lot of fun. And, and, and it, the ad included footage of people videotaping themselves, like driving past our billboards in different locations. We had in like, you know, Orem, Utah in the in the footage. Um, we did a committee to reelect the president which again made up group uh, making fun of Creep and Nixon. And it was full of Nixon references and Trump. Like it basically looks like a Nixon ad, but it's with Trump. And the MAGA people don't get it at all. They like think it's a real ad and it just went right over their head. That one was never covered, but I, it was one of my favorites. It was pretty clever. Um, and then now we're running ads uh, that say uh, that, um, that Bernie Sanders, not Bernie Sanders, that, uh, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to find this that say that, um, Gavin Newsom and, uh, and Andrew Cuomo are battling it out in a shadow primary to replace Joe Biden, but they don't say that in the ad. So it's not a flat out lie. It's more like Gavin Newsom is great and Cuomo's an ass. And then the next ad will be like, Gavin's an ass, Cuomo's the man. And, and we're targeting that at DNC members. And we've reached, I think, uh, over 10,000 DNC, not DNC members, but DNC supporters. This is how 
insidious Facebook targeting is. There's only 200,000 people on Facebook who are fans of the DNC, according to Facebook. And we're reaching a lot of those people. Right. right. I, I, I'm just feeling sad for a world where 200,000 people went out of their way to like the DNC. <laughs> <laughs> they liked content related. I don't think they like the DNC page. I think it's... <laughs> It sounds like a lot, but then it also sounds like too much. <laughs> <laughs> well, it also it saddens me that we live in a society where there's more than, you know, there's maybe more than, I don't know exactly the U.S. how many adults, 160 million or more, right? You know, if you divide the population, there's a lot of adults and, and there's only 200,000 people who are like in with the party that is supposed to be fighting the GOP. You know, it's too few people are involved in politics. And so you have like outsized influence by those who are. And that's what we're, we're, we're kind of like culture jacking that because we're really good at producing media and getting media out there and targeting media. And I think we have an outsized influence because there are so few people involved in, the, in the, that world. Now, what, what was I gonna say? I actually, for a second, I started once again thinking about the fact checkers and Facebook butting heads about you being a politician. <laughs> That's just so bizarre to me. I mean, not to go back to it, but the idea that the state would literally view you as a politician, like the government would say, okay, this guy's now officially a politician. And then Facebook goes, no, no, wait, not like that. It's just, it's just mind boggling to me. It's something I'm going to be thinking about for a very long time. <laughs> And it was never it was never fully resolved. And I was doing like I went on a tweet rampage trying to get anyone with like stature or like one of the presidential candidates. Um, I'm a member of the uh, uh, Chickasaw Nation. I was trying to get the uh, president of the Chickasaw Nation to write a letter to Facebook and everyone just blew me off. They were probably like, this guy's crazy, you know. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I've never peed in my mouth on a YouTube show. I've got my own business. You know, I ran for office in 2009, credibly. I did terribly, but I, but I, ha I have, um, I ran for Congress, you know, 11 years ago. So it's not right. like this is uh, out of nowhere. Plus, I ran a statewide campaign in um, the last cycle uh, for, for, a, for an independent candidate. Right, right. Now, the, the funny thing about your Andrew Cuomo, uh, sorry to jump all over the place, your Andrew Cuomo, yeah, yeah, sure. Gavin Newsom ad is that, you know, it, 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 you're pushing it out as something that's testing Facebook and, and it could be fake news. But I actually think you're, you're, you're hitting the nail right on the head, of, <laughs> to be honest, I think. No, I, uh, my, my big dream, right, is that uh, we get Gavin Newsom to replace Joe Biden. Uh, you know, he's not a progressive, but the progressives would be a lot happier with him than with Joe. He's an establishment guy who the establishment would be happy with. And then the socialists take over California. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and Newsom doesn't have much of a window. Like you have to like you have to think about these career politicians. They're always going for the next higher office. And, you know, people are saying if Biden gets in and is able to serve one term, then his VP will try to serve two terms or, you know, so like people are saying Newsom's best hope is if Trump wins because then he can run in 2024 while he's still a governor, right? If he wins in 2022, if I don't beat him. Uh, and <laughs> I think that his best chance, his best chance to be president is not if we establish a you know, uh, Republican monarchy, but instead that he replaces Joe Biden and then beats Trump. Because I am of the opinion that, that Biden is not the best candidate to beat Trump, but I think someone like Newsom could clean up 
you know, he's very Hollywood. People like most voters vote without much information, sadly enough. Right. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know how Newsom would play in certain parts of this country. He's too he's too Hollywood, too clean, too too clean cut. Too I good, think. Too, yeah, he's got the yeah. Uh, the, 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 some people have said the greased hair, the Jason is yeah. it the Jason Bateman yeah. hair? Yeah, the... too American psycho for middle for middle America. I think. I mean, too American yeah. psycho for me to be honest with you. And I'm <laughs> and I'm in New York. <laughs> But the uh, a lot of I mean the weirdest thing to me is is how the media creates this perception. For example, that Andrew Cuomo is the superstar when his city has like the worst, or you know, the big city in his state has the worst results in this pandemic of any city in the entire you know world. Right. I mean, right. I, and yet people are still he's a media darling. Right. I mean, I'm happy to finally have an episode after a few weeks. Uh, to, to not be focused on coronavirus, but it's going to come up in this show for sure. Uh, I and this the audience, my audience has heard me say this probably a thousand times by now. I am in the zip code next to the zip code with the most cases of coronavirus in the country. I can literally yeah. walk a few blocks and I'm in that zip code. Um, Andrew Cuomo was out here and, and there, I think there was in the very beginning, um, there was an a real problem where in New York City, there were a number of hate crimes hitting the news where people were attacking Asian Americans in New York. So there was a real push before this all got so serious with the coronavirus to focus on protecting these New Yorkers, which I totally get. So I'm a little bit sympathetic to those who are attacking de Blasio and Cuomo and other politicians for not sounding the alarm in like early February. Um, but, you know, they were saying into early March, everything's fine. No need to worry. And I think at that point, they were doing a disservice to the people of New York who were thinking, well, you know, I'm seeing all this news about it. I'm starting to get a little bit worried. But if our governor and our mayor are telling us not to worry at this point, then maybe everything's okay. I mean, at that point, I think it was clear to our leaders at the very least that this was going to be a problem. And Cuomo did not want to do anything. He consistently throughout this whole time period has been bumping heads with de Blasio. The two of them hate each other. The mayor of New York City and the governor of New York State hate each other's guts. And it's a long-standing, petty little feud that you think during this time of unprecedented crisis, they'd put these, this, this petty little feud aside. No, if anything, they've amplified this feud. Bill de Blasio comes out in the morning almost every day to give his press conference. And without fail, if de Blasio has announced something uh, important in terms of, for, I'll give, throw out this example. A few weeks ago, de Blasio announced that the, the school year in New York State, in New York City, excuse me, will not continue. This is it. The, the, the spring semester will not, uh, class will not ever be in session again for spring semester 2020. And hours later, for Cuomo's 11.30 a.m., his infamous 11.30 a.m. Uh, press conference now, he comes out and goes, de Blasio does not have the authority to do that. It's, on, it's my call to close the schools, and I'm not closing the schools yet. Fast forward like a week or two, just a couple of days ago, Cuomo comes out and says, yeah, I don't think spring, uh, spring school session's coming back. He, really ridiculous. he just wanted to make that call. And it's also ridiculous to me, and I don't know how it is in other cities. I know in, uh, uh, I'm talking about major metropolitan cities. I know in you know in in some cities people are 
you know, the mayor has the ability to close the schools because that seems to be a citywide issue. New York State has these weird old school laws that gives the governor so much power where the more you look into it, you really say to yourself, literally, what's the point of New York City's mayor? He, wow. he he controls the budget of like he, he controls the school budget in New York City, but the budget but the, but the money then comes from the state, who really then calls the shots. But he doesn't have the authority to close down the schools. That goes up to the governor. You know, if you come to New York City and you see our public transportation system, the MTA, infamous system that runs twenty four seven until a few days ago when they started to close it at night to disinfect it because of the coronavirus. But you know. The MTA, probably the maybe not the cleanest or the nicest or the most current in technology uh, transportation system in the country, but easily the largest and, and, and the one that runs in probably more so than any other. Uh, the mayor does not control the budget for the MTA. The mayor oh, wow. has no control over the MTA that is in the hands of the governor who also appoints the board of the MTA. So if you have a problem in New York City with the subway system and the bus system, literally these systems just run in New York City, and you're getting angry at the mayor for it, I mean, that's what the state wants you to do because they don't want you to get mad at them because they don't want you to know that, hey, actually, you'd be surprised to know this. The governor calls the shots on New York City's public transportation system. It's just it's just mind-blowing. And this is the guy that, everyone, like you said, everyone's heralding as America's... America's mayor, uh, he's the hero that we all needed during the coronavirus pandemic. Never mind you, of course, that he's also cut Medicaid during this uh, crisis. Right. Um, <clears throat> I mean, he, he went out and, and he's infamously not uh, doing anything about these, you know, renters in New York City are, pack, are practically crying out to the, to the governor saying, please help us. We can't, two months now, we can't pay our rent. And, you know, they, they'll say that, oh, you know, you can't get evicted during this, but you think that uh, when this is all over, which it's never going to just end full stop, there's going to be a point where, you know, a month or two that, you know, this is still going on, but the landlords will be able to evict you. And if you don't think the landlords are going to evict the people who owe them three months rent, even though they can now pay the latest month's rent, you're out of your mind. These landlords are going to be out for blood and they're going to take it out on all these people who owe them rent, regardless of whether they could pay the current rent. Um, you know, and, and the governor refuses to help them. In fact, in one, still, it's, it's stuck with me, in one of these press conferences, he literally joked about how, you know, I'm dealing with this too at home. My daughter's not paying me rent anymore. It's like, what? yeah, it's like, dude, how, how, like, read the room, read the room, man. It's like, people are literally going to lose their, their homes and they're not going to have money saved up to just move into a new apartment. They're going to be screwed. I mean, and, and he's joking about it. He's joking about it. And then when they, he was asked about, you know, what are workers who are unemployed supposed to do right now? Uh, you know, they, they want to work and, and the, uh, the unemployment is going to run out at a point and the, and the federal government's not helping them. What would you suggest they do? And he was just like, they should get an essential job, which I mean, oh, wow. I mean, yeah, I mean, wait, I mean, again, I guess if you're uh, maybe a, a healthy young woman like the mayor's daughter, perhaps she can go get a, a, a job at being a grocery store clerk. She could still possibly die from coronavirus, although the odds are slightly less for, you know, are, are, are slightly less common for her. But, you know, what do you do if you're... Uh, 
over the age of 65 and you were forced to work because uh, Social Security is not cutting it? What if you are someone of any age who has uh, diabetes or asthma or any other numerous health issues that so many people in this country have? What are you supposed to do? You can't really... Yeah, uh... it's horrible because you have... um... The Republicans saying like, oh, you know, this is nature's course. Like, we're just going to like 2% of the population is going to die. That's basically what they're saying at this point openly. And the issue is the population is dying because of capitalism. They're not even dying because of the virus. They're dying because of like poverty. Like when you see uh, his, uh, uh, Latinos and African-Americans dying at a much higher rate or getting infected at a much higher rate, it's because of massive amounts of poverty and oppression and people that live like four people to a room instead of having four rooms. I'm sure that the, that the, mayor, that the governor's daughter has her own room, right? right? But most like house cleaners, landscapers. I used to be a, um, uh, an investigator with the city of San Francisco and one of the things I did was these task force inspections. And I've been in these rooms where laborers are like eight eight people to like a two room apartment. It's only two, like a one bedroom apartment with eight people with bunk beds, and they're like sharing one little tiny kitchen. Like that's where uh, this this these these infections spread. And these governors, including Newsom, Newsom was uh, fast. I was just going to ask you about. I was just going to ask yeah. you. I just went on that whole rant about Cuomo, and let me tell you, I could. I'm glad you cut me off because I could have. <laughs> you could have been sitting there for two more hours. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, let me uh, let me ask you. You know, uh, how has Newsom been? I mean, it's like you like you just said. I know I know that that he he took it seriously a lot earlier, which seems to me worked in California's favor. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it does. It does seem to work in California's favor. And overall, I've been pretty positive about his response. But I think that one of the problems we have now is that. Uh, there are right-wing uh, pressure groups uh, trying to get reopening, and uh, and obviously, like it's hard for people to sit in lockdown. It's hard for people who have their kids. It's hard for essential workers who don't have access to daycare. But we just put out a, a press release and a big statement on my website, really just for the record, because no one's covering. This is my gubernatorial website. So I have like, it's adrielforcalifornia.com, the numeral four. Um, and the press is not covering a race that's really three years away, but I think it's important for folks on the left to say, look, you can't start a phased reopening of the economy without taking care of the poor and vulnerable or else all you're doing is slowing down a massive uh, you know, uh, a cataclysmic event w- where thousands of people will die needlessly because oh, the, the state is not providing uh, they, for people in the way they need to. Yeah. They, they're taking care of the uh, the the poor and the vulnerable. All right. I mean, I feel like I need to jump into to really drive the the, the point I'm making. Home. I feel like I need to go into like a, a mafio mafioso accent or something. Yeah, we'll take care of the care of the, the, the the vulnerable and the poor. You know, it's like. They don't care. I mean, that's the thing about these lockdown protests. Put aside that, and I'm gonna. It's been I've been focusing on thinking about this whenever I think about the lockdown. The fact that the majority of the people who are at these lockdown protests are actually not protesting that they need to go back to work because they're they're going broke or something. The majority of the people at these protests are actually protesting because they want to use those services. 
It's the most bizarre thing ever. You're not seeing the hairdressers and the, I don't know, the, the school teachers out there going, uh, we need our jobs back and the lockdown. No, what you're seeing is the people who want to get their roots done and the people who can't stand their kids home anymore out there going, we need the schools open and the hairdressers. Or they live by the beach. You know, right. I, I live uh, pretty close to Encinitas, very close to Encinitas, where they had one of the protests. And I learned that that's, they had the protest there because that's where OAN is. And basically these protests are happening where they can get a lot of right-wing media coverage that then turns into mainstream media coverage. Uh, and they're actually busing up and down California. So it's the same group of people. And then they get more, you know, so they pull in some local wackos. And uh, they, in Encinitas, it was all, you have to open the beach. And it, but it's insane because what's keeping these communities safe is the fact that everyone's staying in their own community there's not a lot of, uh, of, of motion. And once you open the beaches, like Orange County had people just flooding from all over the state to go to the beaches in Orange County. And um, it's, it's, it's not easy to say, like, but you could say, like, for example, California has, I think, more billionaires than like anywhere else, except maybe New York. And just very, you know, it has a very high number of, of billionaires, of very, very, very rich people. And you can say, like, look, they're going to help us solve this crisis. I said, you know, Gavin Newsom should line those folks up and have them announce that they're taking a 90% tax hit on an emergency basis. You know, the governor has insane amounts of emergency powers and is using them to, like, uh, argue with cities over whether their trails should be open instead of housing all of the homeless in all of the empty hotel rooms and instead of providing daycare services for all, like we're paying for our daycare because we don't want our daycare provider to, you know, like suffer horribly. But our daycare provider said immediately half of their people stopped paying. And then um, also they, to my knowledge, did not get connected with the kids of essential workers. Cause I would love for my daycare fees to go to the kids of an essential worker during this lockdown, right? right? But it's not happening. And so like everyone's having to fend for themselves and it's very, it's just like a massive failure of, of government at, at basically every level. Right, that's that's the thing. The, the few people who are saying, you know, we can't live like this because people need to work and they need to provide money for their family, get money for their, provide for their families to get afford to eat and, and their, their rent and everything. Listen, the, the failure isn't the lockdowns themselves. That's the right move. The failure is the federal government is not providing the basic necessities for people to withstand this this, this lockdown that we need to do. It's the it's, federal government which has the ability to print money, right? Right. Right. You know, and that's like a motion to like print a coin, you know, and just like make tons of coins that are like money for the you know for UBI or something like that. And it's it's um, and then the states have to fend for themselves. They're competing. For uh, for what they need to to help with their hospitals, it's a it's a rough situation all around, and it does not. There's not many people inspiring confidence, and that's why I think it takes like literally Cuomo like being good on camera is enough for people to say he's doing a great job. And it's like guys, um, California has not done nearly the number of tests that they need under WHO guidelines in order to start a phased reopening. Because if you don't know where the hotspots are, you don't know where transmission is. So it's kind of like we've all been in these lockdowns and then they're gonna start easing up on the lockdowns. More people are gonna start going out. And there's like 
hundred times more known infections than there were at the start of the lockdown. Right. You know, and like so it's like much less safe for people to go out. And um, yeah, I mean, it is the it is the federal government. I focus on the governors because they're at least uh, like not insane. You know, right. we have a real problem when you have an insane president. You know, I, I watched his very first press conference on coronavirus where he like introduced Fauci and he had all the CEOs from like right. Target and Walmart. And he said, we're thinking it might just flow through. It'll just flow through. And it's like, yeah, leaving tens of thousands of American dead in its way, you sick fuck. The, 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 the thing is, if you look at the countries that are reopening, they're not reopening after they, they hit the peak. They're not reopening after they flatten the curve. You literally hear them saying, okay, we now have a total of like maybe like 100 people with coronavirus. They're like in the hospital. They're quarantined. Uh, we just did tests for the past two weeks, and we're not, you know, we're, we're the, the beginning of this. We were getting a couple... Uh, uh, the beginning of these two weeks, we're getting a couple, you know, maybe a dozen uh, positives a week. And these past couple days, we've had zero. Sounds like a good time to reopen. We're going up. You see more and more people get testing positive. It's like, what? Yeah, in, in my community, I've been watching the city councils. I have, I have kids and like, so these park issues are legit, right? Can you use the parks? Under what conditions? There have not been consistent orders around masks. And if you look at like Tokyo, Japan, to I think, believe Japan is the best numbers of any country. And it's because they casually wear masks already for any kind no, I, of I think, illness. I think it was, uh, I think it's Taiwan or, or. Is it Taiwan? Maybe Taiwan or, is lower. It's basically Taiwan, South Korea, and Singapore. Japan are Singapore. All doing very well. Singapore. Singapore. Yeah. No, and Singapore is much more, uh, they have a very uh, restrictive government that both takes care of people and surveils them, is my understanding. Right. Well, I mean, whereas, whereas, yeah. I mean, I mean, listen. Like, uh, I think all leftists are are at the heart, you know, pretty civil libertarian about a lot of you know civil rights you know, issues and 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 speech issues. I think and things in like this that. case, it like force people to wear masks. Yeah, this but is provide them. Don't beat up black people. You know, it's like it's not terribly hard, but our leaders are not up to the challenge. We're showing that we're just a, a really a. Uh, failed state, and it's kind of shocking, especially since we're the richest failed state in the history of the world, probably. Right, like a pandemic seems like the one time where you would be like, all right, the government needs to step it up and, and take over where they need to take over, because this is only a crisis that a a machine as big as a government can can truly combat. Right, right, and, you know, right. and the government is democratic, whereas, the, you know, they're saying, like, we need private surveillance, and they're, like, getting all the data from, like, Apple and Google, and it's like, guys... Uh, we would like the government to do its job and not have a state that is Amazon, Apple, Google state. Right. The funny thing is I remember really early on. And Facebook state, you know. <laughs> right. It's, you know, really early on I remember reading. I don't, I don't know where the tweet is. I, I, I should go look for it. But I saw a tweet where someone was talking about how they have family in, in China. And they were telling them, you know, oh, don't, you know, don't go out to get food. Just wait for your because they were going through it, right? They were going through it when this person just started, and they're like, you know, we've been we've been on on lockdown for for weeks now. Don't go out and get food. Just you know, wait for your your government rations. And she was like, uh, hello, <laughs> that's not what happens here in China. People weren't going out. the The government sent out like the military to drop off full blown like food packages so people and they could do that here very very easily yes. we spend the money on the largest military in the world and instead of actually using it to help its citizens they're looking for a die off of the of the week that is the, basically the republican policy at this point it's just uh 
it's utterly sickening. It's just really like no human evolution with that party. It just is, we're like, I was reading that viral thread about the anti-mask brigade in like 1918 uh, with the, the flu pandemic. And like in San Francisco, people like 200 people getting arrested because they were rioting or protesting, you know, like vigorously uh, without wearing masks. And like, oh my God, we're, you know, like history repeats itself. Uh, and and we had a bailout that was basically to the, they like, it was the trickle down bailout. Instead of giving people money to survive and to pay their rent during the lockdown, they instead gave the money to the businesses, which then just kind of hoard it and start laying people off. I think, I think in the coming weeks and months, uh, we're going to, we're going to see those people who were, who were, uh, protesting these lockdowns. I think we're going to see some pretty sad news stories, to be honest with you. I don't think, I mean, we've already seen, I've already seen a handful of people who were like, this person was posting on Facebook that they believe Trump and this shit's all, it's all, this is all, first of all, the idea that this really baffles me. The lockdown and the anti-lockdown protesters are waving their Trump flags. Do they not realize that these state governments are actually, for the most part, following the federal government's official like rules for the pandemic? Like, well, like well, yeah, because he'll like they'll put out the rules and then Trump will tweet. But you know, you should really go protest. But the, like, but the he's funny, literally playing both sides. Th- that's the funny thing, though. This is the one thing where he will play both sides. Like usually, he'll just come out and he'll just side with his people completely. But now he feels like he's this is this thing is inside Trump's head. No matter how much he wants to admit it, I believe he realizes how serious this is. I think it's all selfishly how it's going to affect him. But he realizes right. how serious this is because can you imagine in any other thing him say, you know, I'm, I, I don't want the governor to open up. But right, that was stunning. Yeah, the Brian Kim Georgia. Yeah, right. the um the on the subject of whether Trump can lie on Facebook, he did get dinged on the census, I believe. And I don't think that I've heard of any scandals around his ads with coronavirus. I think that these are areas where Facebook probably is is sober enough to say that even the president of the United States can't spread false information about uh, something like the census or something like coronavirus. They ruled out a ho- rolled out a whole bunch of new rules around coronavirus falsehoods for is my understanding although their moderators are having problems because they can't some of them have problems because they can't lock down because of the security around uh moderating facebook uh information content and uh so i think a lot of them have to go to work and like sit in cubicles to moderate content so we it's just a bizarro world. That's ridiculous. They locked it. Let the let the workers take it home. I mean, this is right. on every right. level, from the government to these major corporations to these small businesses. Who I was reading one in, in like Dallas or somewhere in Texas, not only made their workers go back to the the job. They're like a restaurant in in Texas. Oh, they wouldn't let her wear. A they mask wouldn't let them wear here. masks. Just crazy. It's like it's, well, it's like yeah. we we definitely want you to die. Like that's what they're saying. Like we're not we're not we're not risking you. We're saying we want you dead. Like <laughs> like I mean. Well, it's also what's it's what's so nefarious about it is that if you're in a lower risk category, uh, you by going out by going to your job, you are risking your family members' lives. So it's just it's terribly insidious. Right. You know, not probably not your little kids, but your elderly family, anyone in your family who has asthma or diabetes, very common. 
and so many people in this country have diabetes. F- fun- uh, it's just funny you brought that up. Just earlier today, I don't know if the spot's up because it's taped, but I did this this spot on a a foreign network that airs in like uh, Britain and 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 uh, and Turkey. They're uh, like they're called like TRT or something like that. Uh, and I, I know the name. I'm like having a mental block right now. I've been on there a few times, and I was on there, uh, and they had on uh, Brandon uh, Strack, Strat, that walk away guy, the walk away Democrat guy. Do you know what I'm talking about? Mm. He's the, I, I heard it, but I don't know the guy. Yeah. So his whole thing was he's been flying the country, speaking at these lockdown events, and he was, Jesus and he Christ. was like, and he was like on air. He was saying like. Listen, I'm a. I don't know what the whole big thing about this pandemic is. I'm going all over the country, and I'm not. You know, I'm. I'm completely fine. Look, I'm. I'm completely healthy. I'm, and I'm like, dude, you're a young guy. You're completely healthy, but did you get tested? And he was like, right. and he goes, no, I can't get tested because I don't have any symptoms. I'm like, so for all you know, you can be asymptomatic, and you're traveling the country, killing people. And he right. said to me, are you calling me? He started getting really loud. Are you calling me a murderer? Are you calling me a murderer? This is on air. You know, this is on- you know what you tell him is that if you spit when you talk, that it makes it worse. Right. I should have. That's a really good point. But actually, I thought it was just funnier to be like, uh, I was just like, uh, I didn't use that word. <laughs> it's like, I didn't, I didn't say that word. It's like, I know you yeah. are, but what am I? <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. It's like, no, it's crazy that when I saw these, these chartered buses that people are using in California, we have a, uh, and this is another problem with Facebook is they have these anti-vaxxer groups that uh, form and they radicalize people in Facebook groups, like where no one, you know, like they're not public groups typically. And I think public groups of anti-vaxxers may actually be banned. Um, but then on the offline world, you have anti-vaxxers getting on buses, heading up, teaming up with a militia group, you know, and then going after Sacramento or uh, other areas. And that is just um, that bus is not a good place for people to be. I would right. Think. Right. You know, the, the, the lockdown protesters really are like the fringe of the fringe. This isn't like, you know. The Tea Party movement in, in twenty uh, in the late two thousand. At least they were just people who hated taxes plus some fringe people. No, <laughs> it's actually. But what I'm saying is, if they hated taxes, yeah, well, actually, it was more about hating Obama. But <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, well, racist. You know, yeah. like. But but, but, but the, what I was going to say, what, what, what I was saying is like the lockdown protesters really are what you just said. The anti-vaxxers. The, the the militia groups it's really the fringe of the fringe the tea party was at least like like hundreds and, and thousands of your racist ants uh coming together and, and, and even your racist aunt is staying home right now i think right you know exactly. they don't want to die exactly that's the uh, the nutty thing like you're basically getting the young healthy nuts right i mean if you that's look at, i mean i mean I, i'm pretty sure if you look at the polling uh i know the polling is like the vast majority of americans support the lockdowns and don't think we should open up again. It's something like 69 or 70%. Uh, n- right. Nice. Um, but uh, I think even the majority of Republicans, I mean, obviously if it's that high, it's the majority of Republicans too think we shouldn't be opening up yet. Because the, cause the majority of Republicans are older voters. Right. You know? they're, right. Not, they're not fucking around. They don't want to die. Right. Yeah. That's why Trump also can't side with, with the more radical elements of his base because that part of the base is saying, Let's just let the old people die. And he's like, wait a minute, those are my voters. Who's going to vote for me? Yeah. Right. I mean, I don't know, man. I mean, 
to, to, to wrap it up, let's segue back to Facebook because there's something that happened today I want to quickly talk with you about. And it does have to do with a lot of this that we're talking about too with, this, with the coronavirus. Because like you were saying, you know, there's incredible misinformation going around on Facebook. Like the 5G craziness. Yeah. Right. And, and, you know, in those Facebook groups, which by the way, though, I should mention, I, I wrote a piece on this a couple of months ago before this all happened, but Facebook is monitoring uh, your Facebook group, even if it's a private group, like they have the keys to your Facebook group to see right. what the content in there. So don't think just because you have a, a private Facebook group, it's only the people in there who you allow in who can see it. No, no, that's not the case at all. But anyway, so today... Facebook, finally, after two years of promoting this uh, thing, they announced the first 20 people to their oversight board. Now, this oversight board is going to basically be like the Supreme Court of Facebook. And this is only going to deal with content. And basically, whenever content gets removed from Facebook or Instagram, uh, the person who posted this content will be able to appeal. And then Facebook will go through their policies and, and, and look it over and then... They could either repost your content or say, no, we were right. We're keeping this shit down. And then when they say that, we're not putting your stuff back up, you can then appeal to the Facebook oversight board. Now, this is an independent entity, sort of. Technically, they are independent in terms of being a separate corporate uh, uh, identity um, who will look at these cases and make decisions on these individual cases saying, no, this content should stay down or no, this content needs to go back up. And based on these decisions, they're going to recommend and sort of guide Facebook's policies in terms of, you know, updates to the policies where Facebook went wrong, where they were right, etc. And looking at the board, it seems pretty diverse. You have people from all over the world. You have, it's, it's pretty split. There's going to be, we have only know 20 people right now. The rumor is that it's going to be as many as 40 people on this board. Um, they're all over the world. They're all political ideologies. We have uh, a former editor-in-chief of The Guardian who oversaw the Edward Snowden uh, NSA leaks. We have a, a Cato Institute guy. We have um, a, a uh, former, uh, 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 not former, a protester who put together events uh, in Yemen during the Arab Spring who won a Nobel Peace Prize. I mean, it really is, if you were to look at this and not know anything about Facebook, you would say, this is a pretty diverse board all, all over, you know, overwhelmingly. But then you read more about this, this, this uh, what they can actually do. And they can overrule Mark Zuckerberg. Um, in terms of, I don't mean overrule Mark Zuckerberg. Mark Zuckerberg, they, they can have the final say over Mark Zuckerberg about this individual content. However, written in the charter that Facebook, you know, put together to, to outline what this oversight board will do. There are addendums whereas, you know, if this is to fundamentally change Facebook, Facebook could just say, no, we can't do this technically or, or, or fundamentally, like I just said. So basically that's vague enough where, you know, none of this is binding and it's vague enough where, yeah, that specific content might go up, but Facebook could argue, you know, let's throw out an example. They decide that this, con this specific piece of content should go up and they argue that this specific piece of content being taken down shows the problems with Facebook's share button. And this is what Facebook should do if they want to fix the platform and not let the share button be abused. Now Facebook can say, we can't change the share button in this way. It's integral to how Facebook's platform works and it'll affect our bottom line. Sorry, we can't do it. Uh, on top of that, of course, uh, Facebook is the entity that is funding this independent oversight board. And also, 
Facebook is the company that point, appointed the four co-chairs who then will go ahead and appoint these 20 people. So just wanted to get that all out there. As someone who is butting heads with Facebook, I would love to know your thoughts about the oversight board. Yeah, I, I think that it, it really comes down to the simple fact that there's too much going on for whether it's 20 people or 40 people to really dig down and adjudicate in a way that's going to react with the timeliness of a platform like Facebook, right? So uh, how many cases will get you know appealed to them and how many will they take i think it'll be a very small fraction i should i should uh, add i'm sorry that the panels will be in groups of 5 except for in special cases where they'll call the whole board together so you could have multiple wow. ones of these going on at the same time but i figured they would have they would have smaller but say that they take you know days or weeks to adjudicate something like the virality of things on Facebook is usually hours to days. Hardly ever is it even days. So it just, if you, if you, I've heard interviews with PolitiFact where they talk about how they just have constant uh, stories coming in that could be fact-checked under the, the guidance, uh, the agreement they have with Facebook, and they only take a small fraction of them. So if it's a known problem already that you can only take a fra small fraction, because they're trying to teach the algorithms to do it for them, right? To take things down. And then this board ostensibly will look at algorithmic decisions and decide whether to overrule them. But I think one, there's gonna be a filter of what gets to the board clearly, whether it's their own, uh, their own filters or filters from Facebook. And then there's the ability of Facebook to ignore it. Your point about the share button is important because with WhatsApp, my understanding is that they just recently limited how you can share private messages because falsehoods were going viral in these private messages because people could send them to a bunch of people at once. And now you you have much you can send to fewer people if you're not the originator. So in other words, like once something starts going viral, they stop you from expanding that that uh, spread of the uh, bad information. They if they wanted to do that with a share button, it's a really good question of like Zuckerberg has taken such a direct hand including in this decision about politicians and whether or not their stuff uh, can stay even though it's bad uh, this board isn't even going to touch that decision until after the 2020 election because their first mandate is what content should be restored and they're saying no politicians so in other words from my perspective this is another uh, lipstick on a pig event where uh, politicians can continue, Donald Trump and the GOP can continue to put falsehoods on Facebook. They will not be taken down, so this board won't even touch that issue. Right, and it's important to know, too, that they're only really laying down the law, I guess. I mean, that's not accurate, but only laying down an, an, an opinion based on individual content takedowns. Like, they don't have the broad ability to just say, this policy is messed up. Right my, right. my example is within the idea that there's a specific case where in their uh, their their ruling on the case, they explain why the problem affected that specific content decision. So they need right. to first even get to a content a piece of content to even to even my, share something <laughs> like that. My fundamental argument is that the U.S. Uh, Congress should do its fucking job. And actually wade in, you know, and, and regulate tech. The problem is, is that they have uh, too many members who have no idea how tech actually works, how 
social media works, you know, like they don't really use the platforms that, uh, that, you know, Facebook has what's like 2.3 billion monthly users. And yet how many members of Congress actively uh, post to Facebook anything that isn't, uh, you know, family related, probably a lot of them can barely log in. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's, the, the thing, too, and you mentioned, like, you know, the vi- virality of things on Facebook. I actually slightly disagree. I think, you know, what's really going to affect those decisions in terms of how long it'll take. You know, I see things on Facebook pop into my feed all the time from, like, years ago. But the thing— There, yeah, there are stories that from years ago right. that are viral you can keep posting. Right, yeah. right. But the thing is, though, that for those stories to be viral over the years, they need, according to Facebook's algorithm— to get that engagement from the beginning. So if you take down something that didn't go Mm. viral quite yet, and then they take the days or weeks or however long to decide and it goes back up, and it didn't have the engagement, then that piece is already dead. It's sort of it's a- right. If your video didn't get a hundred thousand views in the first couple of days, it's not going to get to a million if if three weeks of uh, exposure is cut off. Right. Like for example, if your video does get to a million views or even a couple hundred thousand, gets taken down and then comes back in a couple of weeks, uh, it probably you know it, it might not it might not take off as much as it would have. But it might it might also still do that. Like there's still a chance because Facebook's algorithm will see, oh, this has a lot of engagement. I mean, it, it, it's 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 really a crapshoot based on a number. And of plus, different... you don't know when they resume. You know, like it, Facebook, it, it doesn't solve the problem for most people that Facebook is such a black box. Because we talk about like state power, federal power. These are subject to like opens meetings, open meetings laws, open record laws. They don't maybe always obey them or they're not as open as some people would want. But Facebook is very much a black box and not only a black box of how they develop policy. Sometimes they'll reveal certain things that they feel make them look good. But the algorithms themselves are fairly, uh, uh, you know, dense and I um, or opaque. I've had, you know, people tell me things they believe about the Facebook algorithm. They're like, where did you like he and they always have heard it from someone else. But it's because no one really knows. Like, like, how does virality really work? Right. How does you know advertising really work on Facebook? And it's like um, some people have said they don't know anymore. Right. One percent. I mean, you could you could be like a Facebook like uh, uh, you could have mastered it, figured out how to you know, game it so your content is always engaged with, always being shared and spread, constantly getting millions upon millions of views of its video, you know, or whatever. And then just like that, Facebook could just switch the algorithm overnight and you could lose everything you just learned about how to game the system. And that, I don't mean That's kind of what happened to video producers because right. I, I don't know exactly when it was, but it, you know, in the last few years there was a huge there was a huge push for video and then a big tilt to where video didn't perform very well at all. Well, actually what you're thinking of is even is even more malicious. Facebook had an error in how it was reading the video view data. And it was telling everyone that their videos were being viewed a lot more than they actually were. So you had all these publishing companies seeing their video views going That's through the so roof. Awful. Yeah. And so they laid off all these writers and focused on video. <laughs> and then Facebook was like, oh, whoops. <laughs> Your shit actually wasn't being viewed that much. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. Uh, Adriel, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Um, I, I have a feeling a you'll be, if, if you'd like, I have a feeling you'll be back on this show many more times. There's a lot more to talk about. Um, 
Sounds good. Give us some, uh, this is your shot right now. Promote whatever you'd like, where we could find you online, <laughs> your, your gubernatorial campaign page, whatever you'd like to promote, promote it all. I think just uh, follow me on Twitter at, at Adriel Hampton. I'm uh, very provocative, uh, so you, you'll probably unfollow me shortly thereafter over something that offends you. But um, the other thing to do is keep an eye on the Really Online Lefty League Facebook page. That's where we post our videos. That's where the ads run from. Um, so that's a fun Facebook page. Uh, and uh, and and keep listening to Doomed. Oh hell yeah, I like that. That's a that's the, if you don't if you pay, if you only pay attention to one of those, that's the that's the <laughs> one. <laughs> All right, Adriel, uh, uh, Newsom Cuomo twenty twenty. I mean, that's where we should leave uh, it, right? Well, let's get let's get new. No, I want it to be Newsom Michelle Obama. I think they'll, they'll, they'll they're the team to take out Trump. I'm going to selfishly say I want Cuomo out of New York, so I'll go news. I'll go Newsom <laughs> Cuomo. <laughs> we'll, we'll both get our guys out of out of our respective states. <laughs> that's what it's about. <laughs> take care, man. Have a great night. Thanks, Matt. All right, mate. All right, folks. Bloop. Let's go to the second half of the show where you only will see the content if you are watching live on the stream or if you are a patron uh, subscriber where you will get the audio version of the second half. Um, I forgot to promote this up top, but if you'd like me to read your comments 100% the second I receive them and they will not be skipped because I do skip a lot now because there's been too many. Um, YouTube.com slash Matt Jump in that super chat on the live stream, throw a donation of any uh, amount, and uh, we will, uh, I, I will, there's no we here, I will get to your comment. Um, what else can we do? What else can we do? Um, go to patreon.com, of course, and subscribe, patreon.com slash Matt Binder, I should say. It happened again, folks. Uh, last time we spoke, it was uh, right, right when the beginning of the month was so patreon was just starting to charge people and we were literally two patrons away from the goal two patrons away from hitting the goal and we lost some people because the first of the month with with uh, cancellations and cards uh not working based on people's financial woes during the coronavirus pandemic totally get it if you're one of those people don't feel bad that's not the point of what i'm saying um please if you have to cancel even please do so I can't stress that enough. Um, but if you can afford to subscribe to this show, now's the time to do it. I need you. Uh, I really want to build this show out. Uh, been really, you know, I noticed that there's numbers we get to and we just get stuck there. And then all of a sudden there's like, out of the blue, we just rise a couple dozen and then we get stuck at a number again for months. Um, help me get out of this rut. <laughs> <laughs> and then hopefully the next rut won't come for a little while longer. Um, Patreon.com slash Matt Binder. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, YouTube.com slash Matt Binder. Follow me on Twitter, at Matt Binder. Um, I would like to use these other networks. Truth of the matter is, I don't use them that often. But if a bunch of people started following me there, I probably will. Matt Binder on Instagram. Uh, Matt Binder on Facebook. On TikTok, which I said earlier I might have to join because I came across a TikTok, a number of TikToks swooning over Andrew Cuomo. 
So I feel like I might need to jump on TikTok to yell at some Generation Z kids about their Andrew Cuomo love. Um, search for me on TikTok, Matt Binder. But unfortunately, it seems like there's some there's there's shockingly another Matt Binder who got the TikTok before me because I guess there's some young 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 uh, young stud out there who got my who got my name after I already have been Matt Binder for years. Unbelievable. Um, so I'm if you search Matt Binder, you'll find me. But I'm actually at Matthew Binder. Um, what else? What else can you find me? I have no idea. I have no clue anymore. Oh. Doomedpod.com for the audio podcast. The, the, uh, the, the pandemic has actually hurt the podcast numbers. You hear all these stories about people live streaming a ton, but then I've been doing some research and it seems like there are people in the podcasting community who have noticed that without people commuting, podcasts are taking a hit. Not all podcasts, but a significant number of them where they're seeing a trend here. I'm seeing that. But if you listen to podcasts, doomedpod.com slash Matt Binder, also iTunes, Google Play, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, leave an iTunes review. We haven't got an iTunes review in a little bit. If you're listening and you haven't given us one yet, give us a little uh, life on the podcast uh, realm. Drop us an iTunes review. Um, tell me who you'd like to see on this show. Tell me, tell people, other YouTubers and podcasters that you'd like to see me on their show. Um, I am going through the people who reached out to me to come on the show when I had that open call. Adriel was actually... he. Adriel is an anomaly because he's been on my guest list for a while. But then when he reached out when I made that open call, I was like, I'm bumping him up the guest list so we could definitely do this. Um, so we're getting to the list. But Adriel was always going to be on the on the show. So, But we're getting to that list. You guys are next up. Um, I also have some other people I'm talking to to come on the show who are not on that list. Uh, yeah, that's, that's all the plugs. Now to the people who make this show happen. The patrons, who I love dearly. My patron subscribers. Oh boy, here we go. Uh, let's do this. Abigail T, Adam Q, Alan B, Amanda H, Andrew C, Andrew H, Angela, R.E.R., Baka, Ben, Benji, Bobby M., uh, Brosnan, Champagne Kami, Chris F, Christine H, Cindy G, Colin R, Connor R, Cracker Barrel, CTA, Cynthia J, D, Dan K, Dank Uger, Dave K, David Z, Daya, Doug H, Douglas V, Dragon Slayer, Eugene B, Froz, uh, Free Hat, FTW, Greywind, Greg D, Grim L, Hitesh, Igor, Jack D, Jacob W, Jameson Test, Janelle A, Jasmine H, Jeremy M, JLS, John B, John S, Jonathan B, Joseph H, Joseph R, Joyce M, Justin S, Katie S, Kaushal, Lisa D, Mariah, Mark S, Max W, me, Mitch V, Michael B, Michael J, Michael M, Mr. Dinks, N S, Nicole A, Namdanet, Null Style, Odeth, Paul M, Penelope D, Qster, Rad Dad, Remy, Ryan, Scott R, Seth K, Sean H, Sheena A, uh, Silicon Baby, Steph R, Stephen, Stephen R, I should say, excuse me, Stephen S, Steve A, TM, Tamney G, Terrence R, Hypervisor, 
This Is Not Pizza, Tina M, Tom M, Why That Thai Guy, Wootopian, and she was very angered to be first last week, so I made sure she was last this week, Zoe G. Folks, that is the free half of the show. Once again, we went way over, which, I mean, I don't know what I'm doing giving freebies so much. And then we go into the second half, and I'm giving... uh, uh, the patrons like a double show by going super long there too I'm crazy patreon.com slash mattbinder make my insanity make sense <laughs> until next time ladies and gentlemen uh, at least free listeners see you all next time on Doomed